You're about to listen to the amazing Trek Off podcast, but did you know there's also an amazing Trek Off movie in production right now? Watch the trailer at trekoffmovie.com. That's trekoffmovie.com. Also, if you want to hear over 100 hours of Trek Off, you can find that at trekoffpodcast.com or search Trek Off in your iTunes or your pod feed or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Search for Trek Off. Finally, you can find lots more podcasts at Geeks Radio, the home of Trek Off podcast. Who Garrett and RJ go to Hollywood Ninjas versus you all at geeksradio.com. Now enjoy Trek Off. Warning the following podcast has plot spoilers and naughty language, so listener discretion is advised. It's time for Trek Off Enterprise Double D. Welcome to TrackCon. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And tonight, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about uh, crossovers, man. We're going to talk about and stuff. we're going to talk about the meteor shower, right? Uh, oh, we, there's stuff to talk about. I've got, like, look, hey, listen, first timers, you know, uh, I think it was Stan Lee who said that every episode or every issue of a comic book is someone's first issue of that comic book. Um, so for someone, welcome if this is your first episode of Trek Off. We welcome you. We do. We so, do. Allow us to explain to you how this works. We, uh, we you, so we're going to talk about Star Trek, and so, then we talk about other shit for a while, and then we eventually talk about Star Trek. Sometimes. Yeah. So, well, and and here's the thing: you're in the future, so you're reading the show notes and going, "Oh, I think I'll listen to that." But I just make those show notes based on what we ended up talking about. Um, crossovers, we know. Whatever else comes up, I don't know what we're going to talk about until we talk about it. Um, and then later on, we talk about Star Trek. It's going to be really fun. And I have some really good things to talk about for crossovers. But first... But first, oh. I was just on the Google, and there's 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 a meteor shower. I totally want to see it. I is love there when? Shower. When is that? Tonight. Uh, I guess it's this morning. It better fucking be this morning, like as in coming up. Between says three between three and 4 a.m. Um, well, hey, either way, listeners, you're too late. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fucked. Yesterday. You that shit. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, though. I love that shit. You snooze, you lose, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I usually do snooze. I usually don't know this stuff because I don't, like, hang out on the interwebs. And, like, that's the only time you find out about this stuff. Well, that's, you know, I, I do. I go down rabbit holes on the internet. So, by the way, uh, first timers, we say fuck a lot. Fuck, fuckity fuck, right? Fuckity fuck, fuck. Like, fuck. like, like we say dildos and fuck and, and all sort of things. Um, and, and sometimes our relatives listen and get upset with us for saying those things. Um, oh, my relatives don't listen. They know better. So it's been a, listen, it's been a weird 10 days. You know, we try and record every 10 days in the last 10 days. Goodness gracious. Um, we are one day post the Robin Williams news. Um, Uh, and just like, uh, you know, I'm sure that we're not going to say anything here that hasn't been said on a thousand Facebook threads. Whether you're going, he's so great, or whether you're going, I'm mad at him for killing himself, or whether you're saying, I think that we should support suicide prevention, or whether you're saying, whatever it is that you're saying, I probably read it like five times on Facebook. So so we want to acknowledge that he's amazing. Yeah. Um, and we, we lost want, a great comic mind. Um, yeah. and, and that... Um, and that we could probably sit here. The only way that I'm going to relate him to Trek is I will say this. Um, there was a show that I liked before Star Trek, my first live-action sci-fi show that I ever looked forward to was Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy. I loved that show. Um, yeah, it's great. I thought it was funny, but I never understood that it was a comedy. 
Now I know it's a comedy, but and it was a funny show that I took very seriously at the time. <laughs> um, uh, and of course, now I look back, oh, it's so funny. So, so uh, that's um, the way. There are a thousand other ways um, that it relates to me personally, to you personally, to you listening. Um, so, uh, so Robin, um, we're sorry that you battled what you battled, uh, and uh, thanks for the funny and the serious and all the stuff you did. Thanks for all the talent. So, uh, and and yes, at the same time, ten minutes ago, just heard about Lauren Bacall. It's a terrible, terrible week. Um, I did not hear about that. Yeah, that's just like just right now. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Um, here's the thing about Lauren Bacall that I realized. Um, I know her name. Wait, I, so I went on, you know, what do you do when like an actor dies and you're not super familiar with their work? You go on IMDb, right? You're like, I want to see why I miss them so much. Sure. Um, and I went on and I realized I have like, I don't remember anything she's ever done. Um, oh, really? I, I guess you don't watch a lot of the classics. I watch some, some I'm, I'm a big fan of T, um, TCM. Um, okay. And she, whew. I know, I know that Bacall and Bogart, Bacall and Bogart. Like yeah. I looked at some of the movie posters that they had because you know when you look she up someone. She was really on, very. She had a lot of moxie. I like that. There's a, it was a time when people had lots of moxie. Yeah. Um, it's a time where honestly, like when I watched Voyager, I think that Kate Mulgrew belonged in that time. Oh yeah, no, Kate Mulgrew definitely lots of moxie. There's a, like, like she, was a, she really was a great casting choice. They just didn't write the character very well. Um, that's very true. Sometimes. <laughs> They sometimes give her good acting no, things to do. Yeah, sometimes they do, but just think, frequent, for the most part, they they just didn't they didn't let her, her Moxie show. You know, yeah. they didn't let her shine. Well, I don't know if that's true. Well, I, I feel like they confuse Moxie for bitchy. I feel like they do a lot with women on Star Trek. Uh, the more I rewatch and and see certain females, and I'm like, why why do we do this? Damn you! <laughs> like, and sometimes they get it really right, like Kira. You know yeah. what I mean? Like she's. Which is interesting because Kira starts off bitchier than anyone except for maybe Belana, and she's the one who grows into Moxie. Yeah. Whereas, whereas I, I, I definitely felt well, I th- that. I think the difference with with Kira though is that like the when you even though she's bitchy when you meet her, like you kind of feel like she has a reason to be a little bit. Because you know, of all I, they've been through, like, from what I, you understand of what they've been through, as opposed to, like, every other bitchy female character we get, like Blana, you know, oh, I'm, I'm bitchy because I'm half Klingon. Well, fuck you. Here's so the what? thing. I, <laughs> I, I, I have to disagree with you in that when we meet her, it's the worst that she is ever, ever in all of Star Trek is the moment you meet her. Yeah. Um, when she, like, the second you meet her is when she's like, you're throwing it all the way, all of it. It's just it's she doesn't do terribly well in the scene. They haven't written the scene well. She's got her hair is terrible. She's got giant shoulder pads, um, uh, uh, and she's she's just sort of angry. Whereas whereas like her predecessor uh, Ensign Rowe, I think she pulled that off the sort of damaged tough girl, much more than Kira did at first. Um, Kira really grew into. Like she's one of my like I I so look forward to anything anything season late season two forward with Kira I look forward to it. I know I've I've been in season one and I've been enjoying her. You know really? the first episode aside, like you know when she has to sort of deal with the fact that she's on the other side now. You know she's not you know freedom fighter anymore, uh, so to speak. Because like it's you know now she's part of like the provisional government and she doesn't always agree with them, but. She knows that that's the right thing to do, regardless. Um, I wonder as an actor, I wonder as an actor, 
because I hate her in the first scene. I, I hate her in almost all of of the pilot. Even when she's successful at the end, she goes, there's your ship at Beck. I wonder if there's, like, as an actor, if she watched it. I mean, when it's the premiere, you have to go, like, people watch it. I'm sure there are events. I don't know if there were, but I, I would imagine that there was, like, a corporate event that the stars all had to go to. Do you think she watched it and, like, in her actor brain was a like hated like, herself in it. <laughs> like, 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 you know, maybe I need to, to alter this just because like, they, they made changes. They cut her hair after the very first episode. Yeah. Like, and that definitely looks better. I'll she, agree. But that, that says to me that someone looked at Kira and said, something needs to change. Like, yeah, like they, they, it was like, you know, she can't just be bitchy all the time. Like she can't just be a little shit. Like she's got to, pick her battles she has to be complex you know like and i feel like they i feel like they sort of quickly course corrected like yeah. i didn't i, I didn't i'd like I've, i think i'm only at like maybe season yeah i'm at season two episode seven right now All like right. so i'm not that far in and like by the episode a perfect example like one of the episodes that really could have been something that would have been awesome to see on um, Voyager because you kind of had that actual uneasy alliance between the Maquis and the, you know, Federation, the episode where they like oh, got one episode. Right. Um, well, like everything is like, everybody's acting weird all of a sudden. And like uh, even Kira was building a, the clock. Yeah. It's uh, a great it's, episode. It's and what, but, like, dramatis personae. Is that what it's yes, called? Dramatis yeah. personae. It's such a great episode and it's pretty early on. And, that's and, great and even story. then, like, it's it's not when you're watching it, it's pretty clear very quickly. Like, what is up with Kira? Like, she's gone over the deep end. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take you long to be like, what the hell? Like, the, the start of the episode, you're like, fine. Like, she's being Kira. She's fighting for what she believes in. She's like, you can't let them run these weapons. Like, it's not cool. And him being like, listen, I, I hear you, but, like, my hands are tied. Like, they haven't actually done anything wrong yet. Like, we can't just go around arresting people and searching their cargo and shit because we want to. Because we know. He's like, you got to bring me something. You know, and she's like, ah, fine. You know, so she's frustrated. Like, she's, I feel like you get her frustrated a lot. But realizing that she has to work within the confines of, you know, the rule set these days. Like, she, she finds creative ways around it. You know what I mean? But, like, that's sort of her strength. And in that episode, like, because they've done such a good job of course correcting her from, from the very first episode, like, you definitely are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, why is she going to take over the station? Like, why is she talking up Oda? What the fuck? <laughs> I, like, I like the mature character that she grows into. Um, I mean, I really, really do. I would say that... Uh, I mean, again, so what I like about DS9 is if you were to play the first episode of DS9 next to the last episode of, of DS9, everyone would seem very different. Now, you can say that about all the Star Trek shows. But what I love about DS9 is that if you were to play an episode from season three next to an episode of season six, you would also see the evolution of the characters. And I would say that uh, with very few exceptions, um, you don't see like you don't see halfway through season one, Captain Kirk and halfway through season three, Captain Kirk or season three Riker versus season six Riker. You know, they're like all kind of the same. There's a sameness. Um, but these characters just, they constantly change. It helps that they have a major costume change halfway through the show. It helps that, you know, 
they do things you would never imagine. Like, could you imagine Star Trek The Next Generation having the first six episodes of a season, they're off the ship and don't have the ship anymore? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's such, um, I love the, the, the way that the show changes. And that's, that, that's, I don't know the show exists for me more in time. It's probably why I rewatch one of the reasons. And I know I always say that's the reason I rewatch it more, but it's probably one of the reasons that I rewatch it as much as I do, because I feel like I could cherry pick a next generation episode and watch just any episode I wanted. Uh, but with DS9, I feel like I have I to start at the beginning. I don't know that you could, though. Like, I, I mean, you, I guess you can. But I was talking to this about, you know, with Mr. A because we just watched, um, in his watching of uh, Next Gen, we just watched um, the one where you see the ramifications of Hugh and Laura's in it. And, you know what I mean? Like, there's several things that have already occurred in the series that, like, you said that last inform time. it. You said, you said that two episodes ago, and, and, I, and you got me thinking. Here's the thing. It's only within the arc that they're talking about that true. that is true. So you don't, you don't see the ramifications of Hugh until the Borg show up again. And you don't really see the ramifications Well, you of, see the ramifications of Lore on several occasions once you meet him. Like, no, no, but, but you don't see the ramifications of Lore in an episode that doesn't have something to do with Lore. Um, so yeah, Lore, you're right. You don't, you don't just like hear about it tangentially i suppose yeah you don't you don't see that two episodes after okay the best example is when data builds a daughter right and the daughter you know spoiler the daughter dies the next episode it's like it didn't happen yeah they don't really um, well they talk about it every once in a while he talks about it like that's it's it is more episodic in that it isn't like you you know you you need all of this backstory to know that this happened and this happened and this happened before. Like it's usually only a couple of things that inform the moment or it's a line that like, because you're, you've been watching and you know that that shit happened. Yeah. Like, but it, I would feel like if you watched that episode, like there's, there've been times when, you know, like I said, data brings up his daughter and he doesn't sit there and whack, Maybe you know, twice. Less philosophical Maybe about twice. it. But when he does, you would be like, fuck, what episode is that? I need to see that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, so there's definitely, there's arc, you know, and certainly in, and, and certainly in the relationships, you know, like between him and Jordy and, sure. you know, with, um, you know, Although, again, I don't know that his, rela- I don't know that his relationship with Jordy changes much between season three and season seven. Or really, I, mean, season- I guess I don't know about, I don't know, because we, I just want to say where- between season three and Nemesis, his relationship with Jordy seems to be the same relationship. He hangs out with Jordy. No, I mean, here's like, we just watched the other, um, another episode we just watched um, was the one where he's like, where his mom dies and he's like sure. using the probe interface and like, Data helps him break the rules. Like, that's, you know what I mean, for for an android, you know what I mean? That's a that's a pretty bro thing to do. Yeah, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I feel like it's definitely not and how conflicted he is about what he does to him in the episode with Lore and Hugh. Like I think that that shows the depth of like that it's not just how they were hanging out in the beginning of the series, you know, and like, yeah, we're friends. Like that's great, but what the fuck does that mean? Like I think you see it more. Yeah, no, I see. I see that they like that. There are little subtle changes. I think. I, I think the thing for me is is that I've always in, enjoyed the continuity 
of Trek. I've been, you know, I used to, and I've talked about this before, I used to have this wonderful book called The History of the Future, where it just took you, like, it, it presented Star Trek as if it were one big universe. It wasn't a bunch of shows. Um, right. Um, and it tried to deal with the stuff that doesn't match from, it like would have to choose like you know if there were conflicts then they would say okay well this is the one that is true you know he was never james r kirk this is you know that sort of thing yeah like um, like that that you just it, have to you know, be like it, oh, that never it was happened. never the united earth ship enterprise it was it was you know right. so, but, by, but by doing that it tracks it all the way back from like you know a million years bc to the 29th century and you know and and when you get to where the shows are they go episode by episode by episode um, and it was a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and I liked DS9 more than, I mean, I like DS9 well, more I than mean, yeah, for a lot of reasons. But DS9 is probably the most, the one of the, of the shows. It has the most, like, buildable storytelling. Well, it feels like it takes place like, in time. That's the thing. It feels like it takes place in yeah like you see like us like by the like i said like i guess i guess the end of season one with the circle and everything which is pretty fucking great yeah when they're like leaving the station like kira's you know gotten reassigned and stuff and like they care about her a lot by that point you know like sure. they've been together now for a year like and they're like um no don't we don't want you to go like why aren't you fighting and odo is really mad at her and you know what i mean like so you definitely, and you see her, like you said, cha like change from kind of just being, you know, radical angry chick to, um, to being more nuanced. And I think you see that right in, like right off the bat in season one, you know, like with a episode where she has to get the old guy to leave the planet, um, and he doesn't want to go. I just watched a, uh, um, I am in season three and I just watched an episode where she is perfectly friendly with a Cardassian. Like emotionally involved with uh, like there's there there are like things that you never would imagine the first and by the time you get to the seventh season things you never would have imagined and it feels like they planned out um, and they did this on Buffy a little bit too they never really felt like they did this on Next Gen it feels like before they started a the season they were like okay what happens to this character this season right um, what is this character's season long arc. I feel like they didn't do that for some people. Like I think Dax had a couple of seasons that wasn't the case for Bashir. I feel like was stagnant. They underutilized him. Yeah. Sure. Um, until the end, and then they were like they really like did a left turn. With so I mean it, it's DS9 is something that 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 I've just enjoyed the way that it takes place within time. No, and yeah, you, I, I feel like you're you're right. I think that on next gen. Like a lot of stuff crops up. Like I don't think it's quite as you know simply episodic as as you sometimes dismiss it as. Like, but I don't think it's planned that way. Like I think they pull on the stuff that's happened as needed, right? So like that's why you know Picard will have his flute, and when he has the you know relationship with um, with the chicken astrophysics or whatever, like his music is very important to him, and that's why. You know what I mean? Like, because of that one episode where, like, if you didn't see that episode, you don't understand why it's so important to him necessarily. Like, what the fuck is this flute thing? But like, but yeah, it's not because they planned for it to be like they had this episode. They were like, oh, you know what? We can tap this or this that happened previously to him. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's more of something they can pull from to create additional, like to weave into the episodes as opposed to like planning an arc like and this is yeah. what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen 
So I think that that's definitely true. Like that's a difference between the two and that DS9 is the only one that really does that. Well, that sense of continuity is exactly what brings me... Watch, I'm the king of fucking segues here. Oh, indeed. I, you know, <laughs> I, I should have two wheels that I can lay. Okay, so here's an interesting thing. Uh, the very first Geeks Radio show, back when it was the Enlight Podcast Network, and then before that was a show called The Suckcast, which was uh, Dan Guy, who now does the trivia show, and Will Stanaback, um and Corey. They, they had a, a, an episode where they, uh, they named Segway the worst Autobot. Um, <laughs> I, it always made me have every time I ever see a Segway, like from at the beach and I see some people on Segways, I'm like, <laughs> um, uh, I thought I would just share that. Okay. So my segue to this, we're talking about crossovers specifically when someone from one show shows up on another show. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, it's them. Um, we may miss a couple cause I'm not sure. Uh, I'm taking this, um, Directly from Wikipedia, wikipedia wikipedia.org. Reality, or is it? Um, (laughs) So uh, we're going to start off and uh, just kind of talk a little bit about what we think of uh, these experiences and your experience watching them. Uh, These are um, not in the order they air, it looks like. They they get out of order a little bit here, so I'm going to try and put them in order on my own. So let's start uh, first uh, with original series appearances on The Next Generation, starting with Leonard McCoy appearing at the in the first episode Very of Star Trek The episode. Next Generation. Yep. Um, did you think it was necessary? I mean, depends. I mean, necess- yes, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not sure what you mean by necessary. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's clearly there to to bring validity to this new show. You know, yeah, to, show the continuity. That to make you go, yeah. The continuing journeys that it's like, yeah, see, this is past their time, you know, like way past. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you on that, uh, on that specifically because um, for anybody who didn't understand what Next Gen was, that it was later, having Dr. McCoy on it, as a super old man mm-hmm. tells you, okay, this is where this takes place in time. Yep. So I think in terms of, of universe building, especially because like the Star Trek movies, the original cast movies were coming out fairly regularly at the time. So, so I think that this coming out um, right before Star Trek five, I think that this was, it was absolutely necessary for that to be there. So I'm going to agree with you that uh, both it's fun to see him, but also, you know, it's like it, it establishes the show. Yeah. Um. Uh, that brings us to Sarek, which we've talked about. Yeah, uh, which is a great one. It's a great experience. Um, and they wait a long time before going. Now we could talk about the fact that they get two episodes in and they mention uh, um, the naked now or the naked time from the. Yeah. They go. This is like what happened on Jim Kirk's Enterprise. You know. I love that though. Show. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like that was that was a little maybe heavy-handed. I feel like remaking that episode was, you know, they were finding their footing, and so they didn't. I know love what they that did. episode. It's a fu- it was a fun episode on the original one. It was a fun episode on Next Gen, dude. What the fuck? Well, like, it just felt you, like why you was, gotta hate? Why you gotta uh, be on the haterade? Here comes the hate train. All right. The reason being, I can't just. Uh, it's gonna be really boring if I go. Then this happened. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> then this, and then happened. this happened. That, that was great. Was great. That was great. 
Because uh, this voice that you're doing, this reminds me of something that I, I know this is totally off topic, but I have to tell you about it because we it's never really go funny. off topic. Never. Um, I, a friend posted on my Facebook um, a uh, I guess it was from a con and it was the, the guy that does the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. He he did the opening sequence of uh, Star Wars as Darth Vader being Winnie the Pooh. Oh, that's great. For confronting Princess Leia, you are a rebel spy. Like and he just and like I just imagine and like when the droids go off and like his I guess his little lieutenant because I guess he also does Tigger. So like his you know whatever lieutenant you know dude that's telling him stuff is totally Tigger. And that like when they go off in the in the pot or whatever, and he's like. Oh bother! <laughs> like it's just—I mean, look at fuck it up. It is so incredibly funny to hear Darth Vader be Winnie the Pooh. Like I can't tell you. Like I just laughed the whole time. It's really good. Um. Okay. And your little voice reminded me of Winnie the Pooh. That's why I say because you were doing kind of a Winnie the Pooh voice in your. Oh, that was great. Um, Spock shows up in Unification Parts 1 and 2. You and I talked about that very recently. Um, yes, and that's great. That's um, good shit. You I'll know, I, I, again, I I am going to come out, now that we, I've had time to think about it, as anti-Unification 1. Um, I, w- I want that either as a, and they didn't do it at the time, as a two-hour episode or as a one-episode episode. But I, I in retrospect, I want to go back in time and and apologize um, to the to the people who watch the the trailer, going, this is the Spock episode where he shows up in the last ten seconds. Um, I like the other stuff in that episode, but I just feel like that should have just been unification, and doing two episodes on it is maybe not necessary. My thought. No, you're just wrong about. That. I mean, okay. I hear what you're saying. Like, if you're watching it and you're expecting to see Spock in the first episode, and he doesn't show up until the last like ten seconds, agreed. But like you've got a lot of foundation and you've got a lot of, of sure. threads to follow um, and you need the part with his father. Like, I don't know how you have that episode, but don't have that episode being a part of this. The next one. I would tell you, you make it all one episode and you cut out the, you know, the fat Ferengi and the and the the graveyard, the, the ship graveyard and Sela and some of the other nonsense that you maybe didn't need. And you just have the best episode ever. As opposed to, you know, I, I think that there's fluff. I think Unification 2 has fluff in it. When you Every time they get, go away from Spock, I'm not hating what they're doing, but I want them to go back to Spock. It's like, not fluff because all of it feeds back into the, to the same. Like, that's, you can't, you can't do that. You can't just say it's, it's like, it's like the episode that we're just watching with where, you know, it sort of starts off and Picard is dead. And you're like, yeah. what? Like, and, you know, Mr. A obviously knows that's not actually true, right? He's like, I know that he can't really be dead. But, like, he has the benefit of knowing that, right? Yeah. But, like, at the time, you didn't know that. And that's a two-parter as well. And you don't see him or realize that he's alive, I think, until either the end of that first episode or the start of the second part or something. You know what I mean? But, like, it's important. It's impactful. Like, you have to... You know what I mean? Like the stuff that happens before sets up what happens in the moment. Like you need it and you can't just cram it in at the end. Like you would have felt like, oh, it was so rushed. That was awfully convenient. You know what I mean? Like, and I much prefer them taking the time, you know, than having those thoughts and being like, well, wow, that, that sure happened. Like, I just, 
recently saw, I guess, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I felt like it's overhyped a little bit. Like, I enjoyed it. Wow. 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 But, like, the thing that got me, I guess, about it was that, like, they seem to have, like, just met, and yet they're all risking their lives for each other by the end. Because they're heroes. They're a big family. No, there's, like, it's like like they didn't earn it. They didn't buy it, right? Like, I, I believe that the people on the Enterprise will, like, sacrifice for each other and that they'll, you know what I mean? Like, because they've built those relationships. Like, those motherfuckers just met, and they're, right. like, not good dudes to begin with. Like, I have trouble believing that they're ready to, let like, die for each other. Like, I'm like, you just, you didn't earn it. Like, you haven't given me the, like, I just feel like there's more story there that they, they didn't show us because the movie can only be so long. You know, and, and I, I don't like that. Like, I would have rather okay. seen the, the, the stuff, the sinew, the bone, the connecting tissue that makes that happen. Because then it's palpable. Instead, it feels rushed, and it feels like you didn't earn it. So does the first Star Wars feel rushed to you as well? No, because it's not till the end. Like, there, he's in it for the money. You know what I mean? But why is Luke doing any of this shit? Because there's a pretty girl in a hologram? Luke's doing it because he's always wanted something more. He's doing it because he wants the adventure. Well, like, and he's I not don't, doing I don't it just like... for a pretty girl. I don't feel like 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 Rocket is down. I mean, I don't I don't want to belabor this point because there'd be a lot to cover. But I I like I don't feel like Rocket is down for everything until the end of the the end of the movie. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is there's not enough time from the beginning of the movie when they all meet and they're like trying to kill each other, like literally, till the end. There's just not enough time in there where I'm not I'm not there's not enough bonding going on. Like there just isn't enough time for it. Not that it's not possible. Right, but that I ain't seeing it. Like you're not showing me. Wow. Like, and I see it in Star Wars. I mean, they I don't. don't I, I don't want to. I don't want to argue the point with you because I. I don't. I really like Guardians. Um, but I. I, I don't. I'm not. Too. Like I'm not trying to hate on it. I I'm not passionate cool. about it like I am about Star Wars. So like, like we can have differing opinions on it. But like, like I didn't feel that way at all. Like I felt like it was. It was perfectly serviceable the way that they all came together and I enjoyed it. Like, you really believed, I mean, all of this, the talking that Raccoon Guy does, who's obviously my favorite, by the way, like, he's just hysterical. Um, like, all the shit talking that he does, all of his, you know, in it for what, you know, himself, and he's just ready yeah, to die for everybody by the, by the end, by like, I don't know, five or ten hours later? Oh, I, I get the sense that there was more than five or I get the sense that they were, they spent like a week together. Oh, a whole week. Like, I'm just saying. Like, 24 hours a day for a week. Yeah, in a small ship, you know. I didn't get I the impression that it was a week. It didn't feel like a week. It didn't feel like, I mean, it felt like a day at best. Like, so that's why I'm, like, having trouble. Like, I was like, y'all just met. Like, I need, like, show me a montage. Give me a montage. Like, I'd have bought a montage. You know what I mean? Like, I'd have been like, okay, the montage shows us the passage of time. And in that passage of time, they got more buddy-like. They got closer. We just didn't get to see that part. But, like, they don't, and you don't get to see that part. And it just, it's all of a sudden, oh, okay, I'll die with you guys for the good of the universe. It's cool. Like, I just, it just, that really bugged me. Because I love that part. I I love the part when they come together. Like, I, I like the characters 
I so did, much. Here's a, here's an interesting thing. Do you know that the uh, the when they all you know spoiler alert by the way for Guardians of the Galaxy if you haven't seen it go see it it's really good. Um, uh, but when when they all stand up and they do the we're all going to get together and Rocket stands up and he goes here we are standing in a circle like, like a bunch of jackasses. I love that. I love that. That was an that was an improv by the actor who was standing in for Rocket on the set, not Bradley Cooper. Not but Bradley the, Cooper, but just the stand-in. The the guy who was like being Rocket on the set before they had cast the voice. <laughs> and 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 so that wasn't in the script. And then he, I think it's James Gunn's brother, the director's brother, who did it. And he just kind of said, "So here we are, standing in a circle like a bunch of jackasses." Bunch of jackasses. <laughs> there, now I'm standing now too. Are you happy? Now we're all standing in a circle, like a bunch of jackasses. Look, it's it's hysterical. That's probably the best moment in the movie, in my opinion. So and it's just so funny. Okay, so I'm we get we get to uh, we get transitioning back, crossing over. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, <laughs> You see, because because Zoe Zaldana is Uhura, and Uhura and Uhura is, is in Star Trek. Star Trek with old Spock, who is the same Spock from Unification, <laughs> uh, which brings us back to the crossover episodes of Next Generation. Um, Montgomery Scott appears in the episode Relics. Um, and we just know, love him. I, I, you know, we do. Um, I think the way he did it, it's kind of convoluted. Like it was at the it was at the point where like like. Somebody, a podcast I listen to says that they have a problem with Star Wars in that it doesn't seem like a galaxy far, far away. It seems like a neighborhood block. Like everyone's from Tatooine and Anakin built C-3PO and, and, sure. and, 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 you know, for being a whole galaxy, there really only seems to be like five planets. Um, sure, <laughs> sure. There's this giant, there's this giant Senate that you see, but really, like That's only, only like five of those planets really matter. Like um, only five like really count. Um and and like sort of blue, e- sort of like everyone has everyone has met and that sort of thing. Um and I do kind of have a problem with the idea that the Enterprise D just happens of all upon, the ships that would happen upon him that that's who it would be. Happens sure. upon not only a Dyson sphere, which is like evidently like the size of an entire solar system, but they detect a probe that's low on power on the Dyson sphere, where, <laughs> where everybody else has died in the transporter rig, except for Scotty. For Scotty. Well, because you have to understand that as an original series crew member. Yes. He's imbued with special powers. I know, evidently. Okay. evidently. They, it's true. No, it's not That's evident. What... It's absolutely fucking true. Like, they <laughs> have a special relation. Like, they can call the Enterprise to them in need. Like, if they were on a, char- yeah. like a character sheet, <laughs> it would be like a special skill, like talent. Like, they, they would be call Enterprise for help. Like, no, here's, and, here's... and it would be like a psychic link. Summon, yes, it's summon, it's summon enterprise. That's what it is. It's a summon. And then, Akio, like, Akio Enterprise. <laughs> and then and then for you know longevity as well, right? Like yeah. they're they're they have an extra saving throw in any situation. I know. Wow, we're, we're going there, huh? <laughs> yes. Uh, hey, if you want to see a, if you want to see a fun independent film about uh about um like role playing games, there's a movie out called Zero Charisma. Uh-huh. Uh, um, that that 
it's it's not it's kind enough, but it's not altogether kind to role playing gamers. But the reason I I bring that movie up is that uh, uh, the main character's um, uh, bedroom has a British ninjas versus vampires poster on the wall, <laughs> uh, which I never gave permission for before they made the movie. Um, I eventually just like like emailed the creators going, hey, I saw my posters in your movie. I guess I'm giving you permission to use it. Um, but in my head, I'm going, you might have asked. <laughs> um, People don't ask about it. They're like, they're never going to know. Yeah, They'll yeah, never so, see it. Yeah, <laughs> nope, I see everything. <laughs> um, and that's your special skill. <laughs> so, so so here's here's the thing. The episode's convoluted. Um, and yet, uh, I like the performance. And I don't think that... James Dewan ever gave a better performance than he gave in that episode. Um, ever? I, ever. When was he ever, when did he ever have to carry emotion except for like carrying like the dead crew member up to the bridge in one moment of Wrath of Khan? When did he ever have to carry that? I mean, he carries that episode. He's never given an episode to carry. Yeah, I guess he's not, he's not usually given. Well, it's not true. I mean, he's, there's the episode when he's in love with them, with that girl. But it's still Kirk's episode. Yeah, I mean it's never really anybody else's episode. This is in this episode. He's funny. He's angry. He's dealing with a, with a, a, an a, an elderly crisis. He's drunk. Yeah, there's a lot. He's there's crying. a lot for him to do. That's what I, I'm that's saying. That's true. He's he and and he and he does it with a yeah. Plum. He pulls it off. Yeah. The, well, the reason I like that episode, the reason it's a really good crossover episode for me, is because on the holodeck they show the bridge of the original Enterprise. I fucking love that. Yeah. Um, and here's why I like that. You kind of got the sense uh, up till that moment that maybe we're just accepting that effects and stuff are better now, and and that's why everything looks better. Right. And the movies just had everything look better, and I had up to that point just been like of the sense that if you could go back in time, you know, if they went back to the original enter- a series Enterprise, the set would look much more, you know, real and modern than it did. Sure. Got like, like, and yet when they show it, there it is. Yeah, and all it's exactly glory. the same. And nope, that's what it looked like. Even now in this timeline, that's what it looked like, and that made me so happy. Um, yeah, I love that moment when he's when he's on the holodeck and and Picard, like seeing those two, like seeing Picard on the old bridge, like there's yeah. just something about that. You know what I mean? That really brings that that sense of continuity home in a very emotional yeah. way. You yeah, know, not exactly. like not like in the first episode where it's like here, see, here's you know bones. So clearly, it's in the same universe, and it's just later. Like it's it's an emotional response. Yeah, to seeing that, I think. Um, and then of course, uh, finally, you have um, James Kirk and Scotty appearing in Star Trek Generations and Chekhov. Um, Scotty and Chekhov aren't there. Um, you do have to look past some of the things that Scotty says in uh, Relics to accept generations um, because Scotty and, and relics like says, Oh, did Jim Kirk pull this out of mothballs for me? You don't know. You think Jim Kirk is dead. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Like it. Just, yeah. yeah. There's some shit that doesn't work out. Like, yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was listening to, to again, uh, not just a podcast, but I was listening to our friends at the Delta quadrant um, today. I was listening. They were doing the, the, uh, the Voyager episode, the um, Voyager conspiracy, where Seven kind of goes nuts and thinks that everything's a, cons- a conspiracy. 
Um, but they really focused on the idea that Starfleet sent her parents to investigate the Borg well before Picard ever met the Borg. Right. <laughs> and I just had a problem with that. It was just like, you know, you can't. Like, you know, that doesn't work, you guys. You can't just Come do on. that. Um, but they just did. And that's, you know, you just deal with it and that's fine. Um, that uh, happens fairly infrequently, though. Like, it, I will say, like, for as long as the shows have been, you know, on and have worked in the same universe, like, there's precious little of that. I mean, they've sure. they've done a lot of due diligence. Like, it's it had to be difficult. And the fact sure. that that doesn't happen very often is, you know. I, th- I think is, but it's a major thing wow. for a major character who's one of let's say the the ten most popular characters in all of Star Trek, and her origin is is completely in conflict with the origin of the most popular villain in Star Trek, and and yet they couldn't come up with a line like you know. Yeah, one line before. I must not be remembering this episode because my impression was that they were like, like people, scientists, like on the fringes that thought that they were searching something out that had nothing that wasn't like Starfleet. It wasn't like anybody sent them. Like, so there wouldn't have necessarily been records. Yeah, maybe. That was always the impression I got anyway. It was. It was. Ne- but I obviously I've only seen Voyager once. So. Never more than an impression. Um, but I digress. Um, uh, of course, you know we don't love that Kirk died. Um, and if Kirk had to die, we don't like the way that he died. No, it's bullshit. Um, but I will say this: if Kirk is going to meet the end of his journey, if Kirk is going to die, I will quote Kirk and go: "At least he got to do it with the captain of the Enterprise." Uh, I think there is something really wonderful about the fact that if Kirk is going to die, he does it with Picard at his side. And that's made more wonderful by the fact that I know that those two guys became actual friends. Yeah. Um, where I'm going, you know, these two guys are, are close in reality. And, and for Kirk's story to end and be intertwined with Picard's is that part is an acceptable way to do it. Um, falling off a mountain, not so much. Yeah. Um, but we we digressed there before a hundred times, so we're not going to do that. Um, of course, the characters that from Cochrane appeared as two different actors. We can't do that for every time that happens, so we're not going to do that every time. The original series on Voyager. Um, uh, Sulu in the episode flashback, and Janice Rand also in the episode flashback. Uh, that's the one, of course, where uh, Tuvok mind melds with Janeway, and they go into his memory, and it turns out that he was actually on... Uh, the Excelsior during Star Trek. Segway. That dude has been in a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> Tim Russ. Yes. Yeah. He, you know, it's funny. He wasn't actually in Star Trek Six, but he might as well. You know, he was supposed. To, we talked about this before. He was supposed to be Jordy. He was. He was like it was him and not supposed to be, but he was the second choice for Jordy. And I just Bennett. know that, like, I in watching uh, Next Gen, it's like there's the one episode where he's the bad guy. And then there's and then I think he just showed up on DS9 as a, as a Klingon. Klingon? Yeah, yeah, like, and Dax. Yeah. Yes. See, I told you that was him. Yep. Ray was like, I don't think that's. I was like, that's fucking. That's fucking him. That is he's him. Good. He's a yeah, good that's actor. Yeah, totally okay. It's Tim Russ. I fucking told you. <laughs> and and will he thought it was Worf's brother? He thought it was that actor. Tony Todd, so. Candyman. No, I no. wasn't Candyman. 
Oh, you thought that was the character? Why would Worf's brother do some fucked up shit, mercenary shit like that? There's no Kern, honor in that. Kern does some interesting, has Anna an interesting episode on DS9 later. Okay, uh, Next Generation on Deep Space Nine. Uh, this Lursen- is what you start to see. Like, so, and this was something that Mystery asked me, and I don't remember, because I think Deep Space Nine started while Next Gen was still going. Yes, Deep Space Nine started in the fifth season of Next Gen. Okay, yeah, because there's an episode. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Season six or something? The sixth season of, of, of well, Next Gen. Maybe we're in seven. We're, we're somewhere where there's this crossover, and they yeah. go to Deep Space Nine. Yes. And you've got... We'll get there. It's on my list. Okay, geez, fine. It's on my list. I'll get Touch there. Touch Get there already. All right, well, this is Next Gen on DS9. Lurs and Bator have an episode on DS9. It's terrible. It's not terrible, but it's not great. Vosh shows up in the Oh, Q- God. Oh, geez. Terrible. So bad. Um, Luoxana does some of her most interesting oh. stuff on DS9. Yeah, that episode with her and Odo is so fucking great. Like, because you always see her being, you know, like she. it's not like you don't see her in Next Gen having moments, like, you know, like with Alexander or, you know, or even with Deanna sometimes. Like, you do see some sure. moments. But I feel like they, like, a lot of the time when we see her, it's about her being larger than life and being, you know, kind of wild and crazy, which I love about her. Well, I love that they define that in DS9. She kind of goes, I do that on purpose. Yeah, she does. And and I I I don't want to be ordinary, you know, and and I think that it's a funny episode. You know, when it starts, it's so funny to see her going after, you know, hardcore going after Odo and Odo being like, oh, my God, you've got to make this woman stop. Like, and it's cute and it's funny, but then it's so touching, you know, in the elevator when they're trapped and he's, you know, losing his form. And it's just, you just love her so much. You're like, that woman's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it's moments like that where you're just like, see, she's fucking awesome. Like, yeah, maybe she gives Deanna a hard time and maybe she gives, you know, Picard a hard time sometimes. And, you know, it's just kind of wild and out there. But at her core, she's a beautiful person. And and that just shows it. Thomas Riker shows up in Defiant. Oh yeah, that's another yeah. episode where she has a good yeah, where she shows a lot. Is the episode where the guy has to like kill himself because he's a certain age. Uh, yeah. Um, the, 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 the quality. Oh, quality. quality. Yes. Um, Thomas Riker shows up in the episode Defiant, uh, hidden cleverly by fake sideburns. Um. Uh, that I will never forget the moment because you think it's you think it's Commander Riker the entire time, but he's being shitty to O'Brien. He's walking around kind of just being like very odd for him. And then when you find out it's Thomas and Thomas has joined the Maquis and he rips his own sideburns off and he's uh, he's got a goatee. And that's how we know he's not actually Riker because Riker wouldn't have a goatee. Um, uh, I like the episode, but it's it bums me out because that's the end of his story. Um, and I just, haven't gotten there in my rewatch yet. So I mean, it's it's you know they you know not really spoiler alert. They don't come back to it. It's a dropped thread. Um, they have some of those on. They they have a number of them. I feel like, um, like the like the Moriarty dropped thread. Sure. Like you know they never really come back to. I well, mean, 
They kind of do. They they give him a send off. They go, he's in this program, in this thing, and he'll he'll live out the rest of his days thinking he's alive. I guess. In the second Moriarty, second Moriarty, in the second episode. Moriarty episode. Yeah, I guess. But like, the ship in a bottle. Are we sure that worked? Like, we're just we're just yeah. assuming that worked. Well, I mean, at the, at the at the end of the Thomas Riker episode, like he gets captured, and Kira's like, "I'll find you. I promise you, I'll find you." <laughs> and like. Okay, I'll find you if we get an eighth season. But if there's not an eighth season, then I just have other shit to do. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to happen. I'm busy. I mean, look, okay. they, they they did that famously in Next Gen where they, they have the uh, the alien infiltration of Starfleet in the first season where, like, they like they hint that there's this, this like, Oh, right, the creepy happening, shit. The and happening. then, like, nothing ever comes of it again. Uh, yeah, the episode ends with, and they're, co- they're, you know, you know, they're coming, and then nothing ever happens. Um, yeah. So I guess that's going to happen from time to time. Whoops, that was a ding. Um, uh, so uh, moving on, um, we have uh, Alexander shows up in in DS9 later on as an older character, um, and does uh, does that thing the 80 sitcoms do, where he is inexplicably way older. Than, than he should be. <laughs> that he ought to be. At this like, point. like, like, if we go, like, so if if we say that that we meet him and he's about three, and and that's in the second season. That's he was born one year before Next Gen started, and and DS Nine, he shows up in seventh season of DS Nine, and that's you know, like thirteen. He should be like fourteen, but he's clearly like twenty two. So. You gotta understand how boys sometimes they just they mature quick. Sometimes hey, you know they what? go from being like a kid to like being a man, I like say, looking like a, a man. A, it's a Klingon thing, and let's say B that their warp core works that they do that strange you travel too fast and time changes or something. I don't know. Um, and then of course Worf and O'Brien are both on Next Gen on Voyager. Um, Jordy Lafour shows up uh, as the captain of the Enterprise in an alternate future. William Riker shows up in the Q episode Death Wish as a cameo. Um, Barclay's in, wow, I didn't even know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes of Voyager. We like Barclay. We like Bar- I like Barclay on Voyager, as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, I do too. Um, Deanna shows up on Voyager a lot. Um, Q has a few. The Borg Queen shows up a few times. Um, again, you know, talk about a small universe. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Like they get that. They open they're all the way in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> and yet, and yet, the guy on the Pathfinder project to find them happens to be Reginald Barkley, who happens to be meeting with Deanna Troy. Like, like this is like right now, right now in 2014, Earth has seven billion people on it. But evidently, <laughs> as we populate other worlds, there's only about seventy of us. What you need to understand is that Starfleet, though, is very small. All those you know, motherfuckers I, on Earth don't matter, okay? I don't get the sense that Starfleet is even that small. The people that matter, yeah. Like the officers? That's right. There's General Chicote or Admiral Chicote, yeah. who doesn't look anything like Chicote. I know. <laughs> like he's on two episodes, like two episodes so far on next. The gen. only Indian name they could come up with, like seriously. I know, but but the dude doesn't even look like he's of Indian descent at all. They're not supposed to be related, even. 
It's why is but then, but still why is that dude's name Chicote? Is that that's such a, a common really name? Great question. Like, um, what, like that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, he's like the whitest white guy ever. So here's the question. Here's the question. Does Q show up on all the Starfleet ships? <laughs> that, that's a question for like he shows up on Next Gen. He shows up on DS9. He shows up on Voyager. Like like he does. The, you know what he likes. He around likes, that time, around that time, is he just popping up? Like, if you were to go on the Lexington, like, yeah, I think so. I feel like, yeah, because he's Q, he can do whatever the fuck he wants, and so I feel like he's just got that. The motherfucker's on a rotation. He's like, yeah. now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the Crazy Horse, and, he, uh, and then I'll be on the next week. He, he, he's um, been watching Starfleet. Is what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Because he doesn't show up before, and he doesn't no, show up after. you're not as fun as Picard. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah. not Picard. Like, yeah. Who goes to the space stations? Deep Space 3? Deep Space 7? Yeah, I know. <laughs> absolutely. We just don't see that part, you know, because we're not I mean, watching that story. But he absolutely goes there. They're all about fucking Q, man. Yeah, it's interesting. He's obsessed with humans. He probably hangs out with more than four of them. That's my theory about Q. Q just shows up on every Federation starship. Yep, every um, ship, every every space station, every outpost. Yeah, he's just like he just humans. shows up. Uh, the Next Generation on Enterprise. Um, James Cromwell is in the first episode of uh, of um, Enterprise as Zephyr. Uh, he's Cochran. on several episodes of Next Gen too, isn't he? He's uh, all yeah, place. but I'm saying the character, him playing Zephyr. Oh, playing Zephyr, yeah. yeah. And then Deanna Troy and William <laughs> are in the final episode. Don't uh, even get me started on that shit. And, I don't. And, I don't know. Well, I I still love how you and I. I remember when you came over and we we had the. You were like, no, they look pretty much the same. They look. And so we pulled it up on the iPhone, the final episode, and then I pulled up <laughs> on my TV the the episode, the Pegasus, that's supposed to be happening at the same time. It's clearly like really, really, really clearly they they're like fifteen years older. <laughs> um. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I will go back and say it doesn't make any... Put them on the fucking Titan. Or if you don't want to put them on the Titan, put them on the Enterprise... You know, on the Enterprise-E, you know, sometime before ne- Nemesis. Like, you don't, don't have to- don't do any of this shit. Like, don't fucking cop out on the last episode. Give them their own last fucking episode. That's what you do. That's what you actually do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Um, uh, and if you want to make a big final Star Trek episode, then beam fucking everyone together. As many people as you can get. I always felt like before they rebooted Star Trek in 09, I felt like that's the thing they could have done. Just like every actor who wanted to be in it, just do a massive Star Trek TV movie. Like a three-hour TV movie where DS9 and Voyager and Next Gen and Enterprise, they're all on there. If Shatner wants to come on, bring him on. Like, just, just everyone. I would love to see it, but that's me. Yeah, because then you could have, like, time schisms. Like, you could totally work that shit. Yeah. Like, you could you could find a way to explain it. <laughs> and, um, like, we wouldn't give a fuck. We'd just be so happy to see everybody that we, we, would, we would accept any bullshit you gave us that would explain it. <laughs> like, anything, no matter how small. We'd be like, yeah, okay. Um, Deep Space Nine on Next Generation. Julian Bashir appears in Birthright Part One, as does Deep Space Nine itself, which That's is the right. one you were just talking they about. They go to Deep Space Nine, and he's cute, like when he's hanging out with Data. Like, see, what I you like need to that. understand is when it comes to episodes of 
of D- of Deep Space Nine, the ones that I know very well are the Julian, the ones that have like a heavy Julian storyline or Julian yeah. Because I would just like watch those ones over and over and over again. Um, well, and I think that it's you know Julian's not at his uh, at his best in that episode, and I think it's really interesting watching someone who has played his character for five episodes next to someone who's played his character for six years. When you know where Julian's like how comfortable you know because actors on these shows they get comfortable in their skins, you know what I mean. Um, so sure. in that episode, he's still very much hyper Julian, you know, like he's, he's still playing at Julian. Whereas, you know, by season six, he's, he's, I don't very know. Much- I disagree. I think he's, he's got the, what they've given him is this, you know, on the frontier, you know, of medicine out in the middle of nowhere. And he's all excited no, I, about it. I get like, what they've given him, but and here's- so I think that I th- I feel like that's exactly what you see in that episode. You see this doctor who is excited to to be in the presence of this artificial life form and trying to understand sure. how it works. Like I I feel like that read. I didn't I didn't feel it like it reads very much like first season Bashir. I guess my my only sort of side note is that the veteran actors, right? So so Avery Brooks never seems to be playing at it. Nor does Rene Abijanois. He never seems to be playing at it. Um, I, I think they're given more to work with at the start. They didn't give him much. Um, well, I, I guess what, but it's not. It's just that they're veteran TV actors. Whereas you go to Nana Visitor, at first wasn't quite ringing my bell, and and Dax, same thing. I I don't like Dax for the first few seasons of, wow. of DS9. Um, Even when uh, she has her symbiote stolen from her. I thought she did such a great job in that episode. She, it's, it's, it's not that she ever does a bad. It's just that she doesn't seem just to relax easily. You're just hating on Jadzia because you like that fucking. Bitch, I just it? said Bashir and Nana Visitor at the same time. Yeah, I, but then you started hating on Dax a little bit more hardcore. No, for not seasons, at all. like po- not just like the first season. Like you just love Esri, and that's all it is. I, I didn't even say anything about Esri. I said nothing about Esri. Dad. That's what it is. That's who you wish you been all along. That yes. stupid little girl. That's uh, what it is. Um, I all I'm saying is I feel like, and as I think, actually, I'll give you this for those who hate Esri. I think that she falls into the. I like what she does, but I think she does fall into the same category as first season Julian. That that she is brand new to episodic television. And there's a lot of playing at the fact that I'm, it, it, she's just not comfortable. I'm not going to blame the actress. I'm just going to say that it's bullshit and it's poop and fuck Esri. I'm not blaming. And Dax, you're, and you're, Dax. Not hearing me. you're not hearing me. Uh, what I'm saying is that I feel like the younger actors I hear who have like not that. had to have series before. Because if you look at like, like Armin Shimmerman had not had a series before, but he'd been a Ferengi so many times. He knew like he knew how to do that. He had been the featured Ferengi a number of times, and even then, it took him a couple of episodes. But you know, Rene Abrigenois, he had done this before, and Avery Brooks, he had done this before, and and I think that that season shows. Um, so had um, the chick playing Dax. I'm pretty sure she like had done tele- like. A, a no, this is it. This before. is her. This is I think this is her. I think. Her I know first. she was on Family Ties that one episode at least, and she I feel like she had. Yeah. I don't think she no, was she? Yeah, she was. 
And even though being on an episode of Family Ties, but being on an episode, Alex wants to hook up with her. I think my point is that being on an episode. No, but I think she did some kind of series after that, like some little, you know, teeny bopper type series. I would have, I would have to look. And my my point is, is that I think that later on, actors on these shows tend to fall into their roles after some time has passed. And I think that the, the ones who had shows before, especially ones who've headlined shows before, um, immediately seem to know what they're doing and, and, and can relax into it. Whereas, I, guess I, just, I never felt that way. I felt like what you see in the first season, like season stuff is, is some, some characters. I'm not just saying, first I'm saying the first half of the first season. Yeah, like they just didn't have as they didn't give them as much to work with. I think like I don't think they gave Dax very much, and they didn't like they, all they kind of gave her was you and Benjamin are friends from way back. You know what I mean? Like, but by by the time I'm seeing her now, like by even by the end of season one, like when she's on the you know in the circle and she's in the shuttlecraft with Kira, like that's a great episode. Like you really like you see how Kira is made for this. Like, she knows what she's fucking doing. And, and you've got Dax being like, I don't have instruments. I don't know what to do. And she's like, use your fucking eyes. Like, and they're both being their characters and it's good and it's cute and it's fun. And I think that you, when they when they have something to do, like, it's different. I think that it's easier on them. Like, I think it's a lot to ask for, you know, some level of engagement that you're talking about when, like, all you've got is, you're excited to be a doctor on the frontier. You know, like they just, they really didn't give him a lot. It was like, and you're kind of girl crazy. You know, like I, I really feel like they did a disservice. Sure. It's, it's, as, much a, it's, a, it's as much a writing thing as an acting thing. Um, but I just like, I, I would just like to postulate that there is a possibility that when what you have done for the most part is featured roles uh, where you're on an episode and you have all of two seconds you know, to to say what your character is because you're on a 22 minute sitcom and they need to know what your character's position is within 30 seconds because you're going to show up in five minutes of that and your character has to be played in broader strokes. Um, whereas, like, by the time you've been on a show for seven years, you know, you don't have to play at being Dr. Bashir anymore. You don't have to, like, like you are you show up on screen and that's just who you are. Like, you don't have to put on... Uh, a different persona to do it it fits like a glove um whether or not i mean i'm certainly not saying that that armin shimmerman is like quark uh in real life although you know who knows we don't know um but uh but he is just so comfortable as quark it doesn't even seem like acting after a while and that's all i'm saying is that for data if you look at data first season data where you know he's much more robotic and six season data where he's just comfortable playing data. He just knows how to do that now. Um, I just think it's interesting seeing the old guard with no new guard. That's all I'm saying. I guess I don't necessarily see this huge difference that you seem to see. Like, okay. I don't, I just don't see that. Like, I don't see the, like, I'm being a doctor. I'm being an android. And then, like, that kind of goes away. And then they're not, like, acting so much anymore. Like, because, I mean, honestly, the only person I feel like, you know, and I love him. The dude is nutto. But uh, but Cisco is like, I mean, a lot of the time, I feel like, you know, he chews the scenery. <laughs> like, he's, the, he's the only one who paints in broader and broader strokes as the show goes on. Like, yeah, he just really <laughs> when he starts, starts out, out, when he starts out, he's relatively subtle when the show starts. 
Yeah. Like, say, like where you are right now, he's he's not really chewing the scenery all that much. By the end, but yeah, it's just you know. <laughs> yeah, by the end, it's like a no. No old He's quite, <laughs> Cause it's real. It's in my it's mind. Real. It's real to me. <laughs> yeah, he's just gone, man. And he just kept evolving into the captains. Like you just like by the time you get to the captains, you just go see the evolution of everybody. I think that he is in true Star Trek form, just evolving to a higher plane of existence. <laughs> I mean, he's the emissary after all. Like we can't. I think that. I think that right now there's a big party with Wesley Crusher, Kess, and him. And I don't mean Cisco. Actually, Cisco does evolve to a higher plane of existence at the end, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Uh, so, so somewhere there's a tea party with Wesley Crusher and Kess and Cisco sitting around, going, "We're so high, and <laughs> the highest among them." <laughs> Look at what we've achieved. Um, uh, we're almost done here, uh, Amir. When you get to the uh, the the DS9 uh, crossover episode, the uh, the well, first of all, you have the alternate universe, which shows up in DS9, which is totally, uh, we've talked about it, so we don't yeah, need to go into that. Yeah, they use it a lot, yeah. Um, but it's but absolutely it's cool. a continuation of, of an original series episode, which is great. Um, and the Trouble Tribble, another episode. Uh, yes, and that's, that's a huge one. Um, one of the most subtle things they do in the crossover episode is that Tuvok is in it. Because why wouldn't he be? Like like he he's on DS9. He doesn't do a whole lot. He's just kind of there, and he's Tuvok, not Tim Ross. Tuvok, because there is no Voyager in that, and Voyager and DS9 were on the same on at the same time by then. So why not? So that's I mean I I said that about uh, Wesley Crusher the other day when we were talking about the Wharf episode where like sliders, where he just happens to be in one of the realities because why wouldn't he be? Sure. And I like that. I like it's just it's you know when ta- in 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 having a three dimensional universe, I like that. Sure, in an alternate you know in an alternate alternate you know twenty fourth century, Tuvok would be on DS nine because why because why not? There's a lot of fuck that. Yeah. Um, and then yes, we have uh, what is you know probably the uh, the favorite. Um, that James T. Kirk, Spock, Leonard McCoy, Montgomery Scott, Pavel Chekhov, and Yota Ahura appear in Trial and Tribulations. Um, uh, and that's just amazing. That's just a great um, episode. To bring back to what we were talking about, about the Relics episode, to say, you know, to one, excuse the Klingon thing better than they ever did in Enterprise. And yes, in Enterprise they did have some crossover stuff where they did also have a a 23rd century uh, um, constitution class ship in that from the Tholian lab. Um, But uh, really it's here where, where they excuse it right away. Everything that you, that you would have complained about about, (laughs) where, where Dax just goes, Dax goes, skirts are shorter. And I love the black leather with the chrome trim. And also (laughs) like just saying that just goes, you know what? It's not, that they had worse sets and that it's what it is is it was a stylistic choice of yeah it's like everything because i mean think about it like that it was fashion i mean i and you and it, it fits when you actually stop and think about it for a second and like, that's what i love about the episode history you, like you, you never thought that. about it i never thought about it until she said that like i was always like that looks just like the 60s that doesn't look right now but then what dax the minute dax goes Basically, it was a fashion choice back in the 23rd century. I was just like, fuck yeah, why not? 
Well, because it, I'm, I'm saying it totally works. Like, look at look at our own history. Sure. Like, you know, like the 80s are back right now. You know what sure. I mean? Like, in some, and then and then it'll be the 90s. We'll go back to grunge, sadly. Um, and then we'll go back to you know the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, and bell bottoms will be back and like that. It's it's cyclical. Like fashion is like there's only so many things we can come up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's only so many ideas. The like what happens is that that's what you you sort of wind up with, and I totally believe that. You know what I mean? That that's yeah, absolutely the 60s renaissance in the 23rd century like that's just what's going on um i you know i guess as we as we wrap up about about the crossovers um you know you and i joke a lot about how i say my universe is dead jj abrams you killed me i know and you're like no he didn't it was it's an alternate timeline because uhura says that once um no because it is not just because uhura (laughs) says it motherfucker um, because it is what makes me sad is that these crossovers are done um, and that bums me out. Uh, you know, I was excited at the beginning of Star Trek 09 when she orders a Cardassian cola or something like that. Like she, like she says Cardassian. I'm like, fuck, they said Cardassian in the new Star Trek. Yay. Um, and I feel like the, the universe has shrunk, uh, significantly in the new Star Trek movies. Um, I but mean, it had to, you know, because think about it, like, if what they're resurrecting and rebooting is the original series, like what did we have at that time? Like how much had they explored? How far had they gone out? Well, this is what I love about what I'm hearing now that JJ is not making the third star Trek. And if it is going to be Bob Orsi, who I, I'm nervous because he, the guy does not have the greatest screenwriting track record, although sometimes he's really good, Uh, but he's the huge star Trek fan. He is saying he wants it to be the five year mission. He wants it to be about going out there and exploring. Now, I my only, love that. My only thing is, I want that growing war with the Klingons to be a problem. To be a problem in some way because they've just dropped the line and dropped the line and dropped. Like, I don't want it to be a dangling thread. I don't want to get to the fifth Star Trek movie and go, "Wow, fuck! They really talked about that a whole lot, didn't they?" And now nothing was ever done with it. So I don't want that to happen. And I've said a lot of things that I want, like it would be cool if they met the Borg, blah, blah, blah. And I still think those things are true. But I would love to see, it's Star Trek 09, why not have them run into a Cardassian on a planet? They don't even even have to talk about it. You know, like, if you're going to be out there exploring, maybe we will see some familiar faces reinterpreted through the J.J. lens or from this, you know what I mean? In this new... Like, I, I think it would be fun now that they're exploring for them to find some, for them to find some shit that is familiar to us, but unfamiliar to them. Sure. Or, or just to, to find other stuff that they may not have found or, or stories that we didn't see. You know what I mean? Like that, like you've got to imagine that like sure. in the I run mean, of the original series, like there's all kinds of stuff that, never you know you never get like even on next gen there are episodes where like they like the one with the the three ambassadors from that planet um that they had just met and they came and they like the one was antagonizing Worf and the one was hedonistic and like that's the only time you know of like that was first contact like and that's the last time we ever see those motherfuckers yeah but i don't want to imagine that that should happen again that like those relations persisted and and continued and that there are additional interactions that we just never even see yeah, but I don't want to see them again, and I don't want to see the past. No, I'm not saying again. I want to see them again. I'm just, I'm saying the point I'm making though is that we've got there's so much, even in if we had because we didn't see every day 
of the original series. No, I, I get what you're saying. That I guess for me, the Star Trek movies are always somewhat like a class, like a family reunion, you know? Like sure, a but I would year. like to see something. I would be more interested in seeing something new with the stuff that I'm familiar with in the background sure. evolving. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to see... I don't want to see like like Into Darkness where it's a remake of something that we've seen. I absolutely don't want to see that. But I do want to at least visit some familiar faces. Um, and whether that's a Cardassian or two, you know, I'm fine with that. But I want to see, you know, I don't want to see the Cardassian and Bajoran story. I don't need to see that. But a Cardassian or two in the background might be cool. You know, and, and that's the thing. I want to, you know, if... If we can't have my old universe back, I would at the very, light, very least like to see some of the residents of that universe visible in some way, if not, you know, if not prevalent. Does that make sense? Sure. Like if there were some outpost or something and like I in don't, the background. I don't, you know? I don't want to never see those races again, is my point. I don't want sure, to. Sure, be- but I think we're not, but we may not be there yet. Like, I think that if if they could continue to do this well, they have the ability. TV show, TV show. You know what I mean? Like they have the ability to do to continue that story in much the same fashion that Star Trek was continued with Next Gen and DS9 and even sadly Voyager um, with what they've with this new alternate timeline like that ability exists. Well, and, and again, those comics are out there that we talked about last time where Q takes Chris Pinekirk and shoots him into the 24th century onto Deep Space Nine. And, and basically just, like, decides to, you know, to see what happens for fun. Um, well, Q does like to do things for funsies. I, well, and I read the first couple, uh, the first couple uh, pages of that, um, and that actually takes place in the old timeline with Captain Picard, where Q is basically like, and it's after the destruction of Romulus, and Q is like, you know, there's this alternate timeline that was created. I'm going to go play around there. And Picard's like, no, don't. And Q's like, bye. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's not exactly that. Okay. But that's, that's kind of what I was going to say, that's it's really interesting. I guess um, you could write that shit. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, like I love that idea of, 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 I guess you can do that in the comics, and I guess if I want to visit that, I can read the comics. Which it's you know, it's not like it's not there. It's there for me if I want it. I'm just not partaking. Um, but I digress as I do. Um, this has been fun. Yeah, I got I, so I got to I got to tell you about something that I sure. saw tangentially. Like I was playing a video game, and sure. Mr. A was watching something in the background that like got my loins stoked. Um, it was scientisty people, like real scientists, right, talking about warp drive. Yeah, and I heard about that. It's like a reality, almost. Like, not on a big shipwide scale necessarily, but like, and this was just like hearing about it, like the, theory. the theories and the stuff that they're trying to test and the, and, and the experiments that they're coming up with and the things that they have, the that they have proven. Um, and that we're looking at scale at this point. Like if they can, if they can do it on this microscopic scale, then we just got to scale it up. And how long does that take? Like 10, 20 years tops? Like I just, I'm well, I so excited. Tops, but yeah, no, you know I mean, what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, it's, it's fast. Like once we figure something out, like making that scalable 
becomes, I mean, infinitely simpler than, than that first step. That first step of, of, of the achievement is the hardest one. And I was just like blown away by it. And like, and I was like, you see, everything comes from Star Trek and this fucking proves it. Like, wouldn't even like I don't think people would conceive of it or would even be thinking about it would would necessarily even go there without Star Trek like we wouldn't have tablets if it weren't for Star Trek like all of this stuff is because of Star Trek man like well, it gave it gave uh, creative people the excuse to to dream about what was going to be in the future yeah just, you know. and then those and then people like growing up on that watching it <clears throat> knowing it were like God that would be cool if I could make that happen do you know, you know? What next year and is? then they do. Do you know what next year is? Hmm. Next year is the year that was shown to us in Back to the Future 2. <laughs> um, 2015. That's right. With a fax um, machine on every street corner? Yeah, with, with, uh, with the flying cars and uh-huh. the, the, the hoverboards. Hoverboards are rehydrated. We need to have hoverboards. Like, seriously, can we get the fuck on that already? Like, come yeah. on, how hard could it be? Well, I'm now too old to partake, man. I got a back back surgery. I'm an old man. No, um, no. If you ha- if there were hoverboards, you would fucking use that shit. If you yeah, I, I take the risk. You would I take fucking, the risk. Yeah, fuck that shit. I would I, too. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. But I, uh, I, it just it occurred to me the other day that that is the case. That 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 2015 looms large. And what gets me more than that is like the self the self tying shoes, the jacket that drives itself, drives itself, the fact that like Biff is bionic or Biff's son is bionic. Yeah. Like uh, none of that, none of that. It's really we have a bunch of things that that are big jumps, like big parts of our lifestyle that didn't exist in the 80s. The iPhones and the internet, yeah, the biggest thing are those. Yeah, but and everything else. But other than that. Everything else is just a matter of scale. Our TVs are bigger. We have more channels. Our music sounds better. But like, well, they have that though. They've got like the big screens, you know. And there are people's houses that are like that that have yeah. like screens that you know, like for sure. walls essentially that you know mimic any outdoor environment. Like it's interesting. There's yeah. some stuff that you. But in like, general, but in general, it's just like like it's kind of the same for the most part. Yeah, there's like, no 3D Jaws coming out. Um, yeah, there's no 3D Jaws. It's just like, it's not like so in the lifestyle of like bionics. And it, I think what happened is they thought everything was going to be mechanically different and everything instead was digitally different. Yes. Um, so we're not rehydrating pizzas. We're still getting pizzas from Pizza Hut. Yeah. Like, how, how do uh, you... No, but we're trying to replicate pizzas now. Like, well, to rehydrate them. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. Uh, uh, the... The thing that she does, and it occurred to me how inconvenient it was, the way they, they had to, like, rehydrate a pizza from Pizza Hut. Isn't it just easier to get a pizza from Pizza Hut? And they go, <laughs> Isn't it just fucking they're, they're like, no one, no, no one rehydrates a pizza like you, Mom. They're like, what? Fucking, why did you go to Pizza Hut? What's the point? If you have to do the work, why? I know. Like, that's, that's fucking DiGiorno. <laughs> Dude, okay, but all right. So there is something that we do have. Um, I think that I just learned about that I needed that I need to tell you about. Um, that is like the future of of gaming. Bring um, it. Did I tell about No Man's Sky? I feel like I did. I don't know. Nah, I, don't know. I think it's called No Man's Sky. It is called No Man's Sky. It's called No Man's Sky. Hi, Mister A. <laughs> Hi, Mister A. 
Um, he says hi back. Um, so it's a procedurally generated universe. Okay. And you start out in a ship out just outside, like, uh, like on your own planet, just outside this galaxy. And like the way they've written the code, like they don't even necessarily know everything that's in this universe that they have created. Like they've just populated it with like, um, you know, as they as they sort of adjust the master code, it populates randomly, you know, the the water flows and and like trees and vegetation and wildlife and whatnot. And the idea is that everybody is trying to like you won't even necessarily run into other people like you might. But, like, imagine how many motherfuckers are on a planet, like, in your likelihood of running into one of them. Like, if you were on, if you landed on an uninhabited planet that no one had ever been to, like, so it's like, and, they, and I think one of the guys, like, like, said it was, you know, sort of, like, capturing that idea of Star Trek. I was like, I was like, this is totally Star Trek, like, in digital form. It's like, you go. Well, it doesn't and, sound like Star Trek. It sounds like actual space exploration. Right. But, well, like. That's not, that's not Star In Star Trek. Like every seven days, they meet new people. Sure, I guess what I'm saying though is it's like it's 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 it actual like like having a five year mission that would actually be like what it would have like like it's like Star Trek. It's like I mean it's not in the sense that there's no you know you don't have the licenses you don't have the stuff like sure. it's actually you as a person though like having your own ship and deciding what the fuck you want to do with it. Like and if you're gonna go check out that planet and if you check it out and nobody else has found it like there's like a website where they'll have like you upload that like your finding. Is it massively multiplayer? Like are there like bunches of people on it? Or... Yes. Like the idea is it's That's one pervasive universe and we're all in it. You know what I mean? And then you would basically, like, if you found this planet and you studied it, you would upload that information, and, like, then that planet would forever be tagged as having been found by you. You know, you, you know and I mean? should, I'm really surprised that you and I have not both decided to just go do Star Trek Online. Okay, um, no. What I'm really surprised that we haven't decided to do is Artemis. Have you heard about this? No. Oh. My. Gosh. All Justin. right. This is something that we need to do at your house post-fucking-haste. All right. It's called Artemis, and it's uh -huh. not Star Trek in that it's not, like, actually, like, there's not the Star Trek races, as I understand it, but it is Star Trek. The idea is that there are different, and it's based on, the like, the original series. There's, like, five comm stations. Like, you have a captain who doesn't have a computer. Then you have navigation who has a computer. You've got a science station who has a computer. You have tactical, which has a computer. Like all of these stations are separate. You have engineering, which has a computer, and they manage the power levels and all that stuff. Like, and so each of these people, like you, it's a, it's a multiplayer game, but people do it in person together. They set up a big screen to basically be like the view screen on the Enterprise. And then, they, and then you each have your own laptop for whatever station you are, and they, like, dress up in everything. That sounds fun. Oh, my God, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it <laughs> sounds so incredibly fucking fun. Like, I watched a YouTube video of people playing this game, and I was like, how have I never heard of this? Why is this not my life right now? Well, if we remember, play this game. <laughs> if we were, if we remember, um, maybe, maybe next time, and I'll try and remember. Actually, no. What am I talking about? Next episode is going to be live. We're going to be live, and we should oh, tell people at, about it at the intervention. Yes, yes. at the at the intervention uh, convention. <laughs> it's just called the intervention. 
Um, uh, we're going to be, um, if you go to uh, intervention dot something, look it up. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm on my I'm on, I'm on my phone. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm desperately going uh, at interventioncon dot com. Uh, you will see uh, we're going to be there Saturday night at 10 p.m. in Rockville, Maryland. Um, on uh, I guess that would be I should tell them what Saturday night that is. I think, um, I think a date is important. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, sa- Saturday Saturday the 23rd of August 2014. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing Trek Off uh, live, um, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of fun stuff while we're there. Um, and come see us or listen to the next episode because the live shows always have a different flavor and I love doing them. I love that we've done so many now. Um, and, uh, and come see us cause how cool will that be? So yeah. again, 10 PM Saturday night, uh, at intervention in Rockville, interventioncon.com for details. Um, and, uh, then after that, maybe we go into, uh, Star Trek and space gaming because like I want, have you done Star Trek video games? I mean, I I was really excited at the most recent one that that had come out because it sounded like it could be cool, and then it was horrible. So well, I let's talk. Let's play. Let's, let's talk about it because there there is a huge presence for Star Trek Online. There are a few that I've played. There are other space games. I think it'd be fun to talk space games next yeah, time. Well, I think we need to been. play this Artemis game. I'm telling you, I had never heard of it. I saw it. I was like, oh my god, I need to be the captain of a starship, and this is how we do it. <laughs> Um, I'm ser- like seriously. I we you have a projector. We could make this happen. <laughs> like we could do this. I'm not like, opposed. I'm not opposed. I'm uh, just but- saying, like Mr. A, I'm sure he would be willing to be like tactical or something. And like it's so funny in the video that I watched. Like the guy that was on, I guess that was doing navigation was actually not um not very experienced at it. And so like the the, the captain's like, all right, let's uh let's go to this space station or whatever. And then like he's like, oh well, it's uh. Looks like you blew right by there. Uh, can we uh, can we turn around? <laughs> can we go back? <laughs> like, cause the guy just like blew by at warp, like totally missed it. Like, so it's just funny. I'll you look it up. I mean? I'll look it up. But for now, uh, uh, we hope you've enjoyed your extra long episode of Trek Off. Um, and uh, and come see us at Intervention. My name is Justin. Yes. Come see us in, in person. My name is Alexia. Trek Off. Trek Off, bitches. So you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek Off to put in my ear hole, to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over 100 hours of Trek Off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. Trekoffmovie.com, trekoffpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and trek off.